0: and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, now available on Amazon and other retailers. Hi, my name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of CareerGig and host of the Agile World Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about making sure that your brand messaging is successfully translated from leadership to employees and ultimately to current and prospective customers. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Chris Wallace, co-founder and president of Interview. Uh, First, uh, Chris, welcome to the show, and uh, why don't you tell me a little bit about what you do at Interview? Uh, Greg, I appreciate the
1: opportunity. It's good to be here today. Uh, What we do at Interview, um, our name is very literal. That's the best way I can think to say it. Um, We help uh, mostly larger organizations, mid and large size organizations, um, really understand their brand and their customer experience through the lens of the frontline teams. We always say, that you know brands are so used to you know talking directly to the customer but uh, they want to know what the customer thinks but they never stop to ask the people that are talking to their customers what they think so uh, interview very much is designed to help organizations understand their frontline teams better so they can serve the customers better
0: great well i'm looking forward to talking with you here um let's let's start with uh this idea of making sure that brand messaging successfully gets downstream from from leadership um, can you describe the challenge that you've identified in in, in organizations and that really the, the interview is, is trying to solve?
1: Yeah, so it, it's multifaceted, but I'll sum it up very simply by saying um, most organizations, and I think that through the pandemic period, we've seen such an intense focus on frontline employees, right, and the job that they do. Well, those frontline employees typically are the ones asked to do the most. Um, they're the ones that are paid the least. So when you think about the challenge that they're given every single day, there's so much that is pushed down on them and, and, and push is the right word. There's always new messages, new procedures, new policies, new messages, new stories, new products, new services, all, all the new initiatives that, that a company is pushing out, th- those people become the tip of the spear, so to speak, to be able to you know, communicate, articulate those things to the customers and serve yeah. the customers in a way that's on brand that's really hard with the volume of information, the volume of things that they're asked to do, um, really making sure that that message is being received the right way and that you understand your audience is so key. But most organizations just being plain, they typically just push, 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 but don't stop to think about that audience and how to reach them better.
0: Yeah, yeah. So when, when this, uh, let's just call it out of lack of alignment, uh, you know, when when this happens, how does it feel to the end customers? Because really at the end of the day, um, you know, I mean, I know that uh, from my work in employee experience and customer experience and everything, obviously you've got to start from the inside. But, you know, what? at the end of the day, we, we've got to create customers and value and, and, and revenue and all that stuff. So how does, how does that feel to the end customer?
1: Well, I think that the, let's just take a tangible example. Let's take the example of, you see an ad for a cell phone plan or a promotion i mean it could be a promotion for a car you see an advertisement in the in the paper on television for for a deal on a car and you go into a dealership and you say i want the uh i want that vehicle in this color with these specs and the person that you're talking to in that dealership has no idea what you're talking about they haven't seen the ad they're not aware of the promotion they didn't check their email that morning they didn't know that that ad or that promotion was continued for another month, whatever the case may be. So, how it feels to that customer is—you talked about customer experience. It's frustration, right? Anytime there's friction, anytime there's the, you know, the feeling that you told me one thing and then when I showed up, I'm experiencing something different. That misalignment—we talk about that as brand dilution, right? That brand dilution between what got me interested and what you're actually delivering to me. Um, that's a real problem because it's misaligned expectations.
0: Yeah, yeah, and you know, you mentioned that the employee involved in that situation. Uh, you know, there's there's certainly some employees that let's just say lack lack motivation or or um, or, or empathy or, or whatever. But there's plenty of employees that want to do the right thing, and I would say the vast majority want uh, value, purpose, and and to feel like they're contributing. How does how does that lack of alignment feel to them, you know, especially that that good employee or that diligent employee that wants to do a good job and yet doesn't have the right information and ends up failing for, you know, not for even lack of trying?
1: Yeah, I would when you say that the majority of them, I mean, it's the overwhelming majority of them want to do the right thing for the customer. You know, we're big believers that if you put them in a position to serve their customers better, they're happier in their job. Right. You talk about job satisfaction. You talk about employee engagement. Put them in the put them in a position, to, serve, especially frontline teams, put them in a position to serve their customers better. And they're going to see and feed off the energy that they get from customers when they see them happy. That's what they want. That's what people naturally want. So the way it feels to them is um, it feels like, almost like they're being hung out to dry, so to speak. Um, there's so many people inside large organizations, and I'm just trying to, you know, tell it like it is here, who will say, yeah. "Oh, well, I sent the email. I hit send on the email." And a big part of our focus as an organization is to say, checking the box, uh, and saying, "Well, yeah, that was done," and sort of absolving yourself from any responsibility for what happens between that customer and your and your your customer-facing person. Um, you can't absolve yourself anymore. Everybody's responsible for making sure the customer experience is as good as it possibly can be. And that means that everybody's got to step up their game. So that I, that feeling of being hung out to dry is the responsibility of a lot of people throughout the organization, not the least of which being the marketing department.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, inter- interview offers some, some interesting things here. And you and I talked uh, briefly before this interview about um your interview (laughs) not interview i have to have to enunciate there to to get the the names um right there so um so your company interview um offers what's called the the brand transfer score why don't you talk a little bit about that because i mean definitely it's it's directly in line with solving these challenges
1: yeah so the the brand transfer score really was designed to take the same principles that companies use to gather voice of the customer data, right? What does our customer think of us? And we took that same methodology, you know, built in these, you know, these, these, you know, consumer research practices and and, and modified it slightly adapted it for the internal audience. But we're asking them for their opinion on the products, the brand, the customer experience that they represent every day we're asking them to reflect on it the same way uh, uh, companies ask their customers to reflect on it, to provide them feedback. And what we're able to do with that is really understand where the breakdowns are. We compare sort of the intended, call it the purest form of the story down with the, you know, what the perception is at the front lines. We do that comparison and we can come back to an organization and we can say, your story is, you know, 31% misaligned or it's 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 you know 42 percent misaligned we can give them that perspective based on doing that comparison i'm going to give you one specific example we recently conducted a, a a larger brand transfer study with uh in conjunction with the massachusetts bankers association four of their member banks and these are these are actually community banks so they're they're retail uh retail banks and we did a brand transfer study across these four these four institutions measured them on all the same criteria around customer experience and we found something very interesting we found that the the banks were aligned or misaligned to a certain degree and they were kind of all over the map a little bit there was one that was really good there was one that was really struggling and then there were two kind of in the middle but when we asked the frontline teams how confident they were in the story they were telling there was a very consistent answer across all the leadership and all the frontline teams. They all said, yeah, we're really confident in the story we're telling yet when we asked them to tell us what the story was, there was significant misalignment. So when you talk about what that means for a customer, it, you know, it's one thing to have a frontline team member who is confident in telling the story, but if they're telling the wrong story, it's almost worse that they tell it confidently because it's misaligned. So we learned very interesting information about um, ultimately it's about the attitudes and perceptions of the frontline team. We turn that into intelligence that the company can use to drive a better customer experience.
0: That's great. That's great. Yeah. That, I think that really, that ties it through. And so let's go, then let's go back to, to leadership's role, um, in, in this as well, what are, I saw some stats there and I'll, I'll misquote them a bit here, I'm sure, but that there, there's a huge disconnect between what leadership perceives. When they roll out a, when they do an all hands meeting and roll out a brand platform and, and talk about mission and everything like that, I think there's a big disconnect. They think they've done their job sometimes on, um, on rolling things out and having everybody thoroughly understand. What are what are some of the common misconceptions you run into that leaders have about brand message and and how effective their, you know, their execution of it is. Oh, that's a really loaded question. Um,
1: <laughs> I, I think that, the, um, I think that every, every corporate leader needs to try to think like a customer and not think like, like somebody who's trying to get their frontline teams just to sort of comply and fall in line. And what I mean by that is a lot of times what we see is you, you talk about re- rolling out a brand platform. I talked to a gentleman last night, works with a, a pretty large consumer brand, um, close to a billion dollar brand. And he was telling me that they've gone through a lot of acquisitions and there's been some sort of brand messaging stuff that's gone out. And a big thing that we hear is every employee gets a brand book. They get a brand guideline book, whether it's printed out and put it on their chair or sent to them digitally. And it sort of explains what the brand is. And I think a big miss there is that brand a lot of times, and I've seen those books before, those brand books are typically written in in the language that's used to connect with the customer and they sort of miss the step of translating that message that's meant for the customer and, and sort of translating it through the eyes of that employee and their experience. And that's where we see a big mess. It's not, here's who we want to be to our customer. It's, here's the role you play in delivering this to the customer and sort of painting them into that picture. And we think that that, that, that is a step that often gets skipped. So just saying, hey, check it out. We've got a new, you know, new brand message. We've got a new tagline. And you know, sending to everybody a PDF that doesn't really help them. It doesn't win their hearts, right? You have to go that extra mile to win their hearts.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree, and and will uh, be transparent and say that my uh, when I owned my agency several years ago, we made plenty of those brand books, and you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, I wish I knew. Uh, shortly after I sold my agency, I, I got a lot more into the employee experience side of things, and just. Opened up a lot of um, understanding and stuff on exactly what you're saying, which is yeah, I mean obviously the the brand is important to communicate with the customer, but you've got this whole front line of people, and and not even just I think there's good examples of companies that have taught their front line employees to uh, to talk in a certain way or be empathetic with customers, but it I it even goes down to the R and D that is being done, the way that products are being developed from the start, and you know all all of those kinds of things. I mean, it's it's really at every single point. If there isn't this empathy with a customer, then then there's going to be a, a a disconnect, and and eventually the customer is going to feel it. it. Either they're going to see it um, outright, or they're going to feel it somehow. How do you think? Um, what what can leaders do? Uh, you know, do to be more effective with this.
1: You know, it's interesting. I actually am going to <clears throat> I'm going to quote um, a, a great thought leader that whose book I'm reading right now. Denise Lee Yan wrote a book called Fusion about uh, you know com- really combining brand and uh, and culture inside organizations. And you know, culture is a big word, and sometimes that can get um, a little bit scary for people to think about. But one of the things that she talks about that we are we are big believers in is this idea of providing guidelines and guardrails for how um, how to sort of act in a way that's consistent with the brand, but not have it be too prescriptive. And, you know, the line that I always use is you can't train people to love your brand. When people say we actually we avoid using the phrase brand training because we don't we, we think those two words don't belong together. You can't train somebody to like a brand. You have to yes. they have to feel it. They have to experience it. So we talk about ways to help help the employees experience the brand in a way that connects them with it, not just the customer, but that connects them as the conduit to the customer. And we believe that that's a really strong way of, like I said, sort of winning their hearts. So, you know, when I think about a brand like Southwest, to Southwest train their people, what jokes to tell on planes, do they hmm. train them to be, uh, you know, do they train them to truly care when you've missed your flight and you wanna get home to your kids to tuck them in, you know, tuck them into bed that night? I think they give them guardrails and, and, you know, everything I've learned is it is absolutely true that this is just built into their organization in a lot of different ways. They care about the customer, everything's structured to care about the customer and people know that they can operate in a way with confidence that's within a certain parameter, certain guardrails. And but they can be individuals within those guardrails. Um, that's where you see the authenticity come through. So, you know, putting those guardrails in place, but letting people live in the space between them is really where you see the best brands excel.
0: Yeah, whole wholeheartedly agree there. That's um, it's well because I mean at a certain point that you can write a script and you can write uh and if the then <laughs> if this then that. Um, diagram of of what to do but there's going to be a case where just the unforeseen happens and nobody thought of it and nobody wrote a script of what to say when the customer does this and so i i totally believe that is where you need to trust employees you need to hire the right people but you need to trust your employees to be able to improvise based on the those guardrails i, I like that i like that way of saying that
1: Trusting people to improvise for organizations that have big staffs. And and again, these are in a lot of cases, the lowest paid, you know, group of employees in the company Um, uh, having that trust is hard for companies. They, they, they really struggle. A lot of companies struggle. And I'm not calling anybody out in particular, but just saying across a lot of industries that we work in, it's really hard for them to do that. The the, the faith in those frontline teams, that's where it's chicken or the egg, right? Do you put the faith in them and see them sort of shine and, 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 uh, take that responsibility seriously? Or do you hold it back and never give them the confidence to do it? it it's really a hard, hard balance for companies to strike.
0: Yeah, and I think it's to, to kind of segue back to the, the customer perspective a little bit. I mean, I think it's, um, I certainly saw in in my the marketing world over the years, the how social media and not just social media, but I think it's good to kind of frame it this way is you know, social media really opened up a voice and a channel for customers to give companies feedback. At the same time, it, it opened up a whole can of worms with customer service and messaging and saying the wrong thing and bad tone of message and 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 all those kinds of things. So I, I mean, I, I kind of feel like companies have been learning good lessons as far as you need to treat your employees really well and 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 employee experience and at the same time they've been seeing reactions from a bad twitter post or you know other things like that and so it's sort of this paradox of we want to open things up we want to give some more autonomy to employees and yet man we can't afford a huge pr nightmare or and and even to less um, less drastic, or maybe even less negative than that, I think there's also an underlying trend of increased uh, value values being being a, an increased reason why customers choose one company or, or the other. Um, what do you think about, you know, how how does a company get their values across, and and uh, you know, in, in a good way, and yet still get their get their brand across, and you know, what how how does a company work with um, with that perspective from, from customers? Well, I, I'm going to stick up for the, the brands here and say, you know, I've,
1: I've worked in a variety of different industries. I, I joke that I probably learned more about customer service and, and, and how to treat customers from the time in college when I worked for a minor league baseball team, um, you know, just yeah. ser- serving customers every single day. But I'm going to stick up for the, for the brands here and say, um, it's really hard to manage to the exceptions. If you're in the airline industry to expect that you are going to engage with and literally carry that many people day in and day out, and there's not ever going to be something that potentially explodes on, on social media, it's just unrealistic. Um, in that instance, they have to use it as a teaching moment. Um, I'm, I'm really going to keep my answer that simple and say, I don't believe organizations can manage to the exceptions. They have to manage to the day in, day out. You know, you're talking about one minute fraction of all the interactions between frontline staff and the customers, you have to ensure that as many of those interactions as you possibly can are as consistent, as pleasant, as frictionless as they possibly can be. And that comes through just continuing to support your people. And if something happens, you have their back. Now, if they do something egregious, then obviously people should be held accountable. But... Um, you know, there's a difference between what we read on Twitter and what, you know, what actually happened in a lot of these circumstances. So, um, I would strongly encourage brands not to really not to manage it with the fear of what might happen because you're going to win many more customers and win more of those battles than you lose if you entrust your people.
0: Yeah. I I love those thoughts. Um, so one, one last question before we wrap up here, um, kind of related to, to the last one maybe, but, um, how do you think innovation and and growth in technology is you know is it helping or hurting brands and um, in in you know how unified and understood their brand message is like is is has technology played, or or maybe both? Um I think that
1: uh, it's actually funny i was I, I woke up thinking about this today and I'm, I'm not exaggerating because you know one of the things that that I'm a big believer in is Um, you've got to find a way for the the human and the technology to interact in the right ways. Um, I think that when you talk about technology, I think there's social media and that's sort of one category. And then there's other technology as it relates to social media. What I will say is that has made it harder for brands to stay aligned with their customers and their frontline teams than ever before, because brands can go on and they can, they can generate a message and take a stance on something on social media so fast, and they don't have time to have that trickle down to the rest of their teams and understand what to do and what the stance is. I'll use the example of what Nike did in, uh, in you know, bringing on uh, Colin Kaepernick and, and, and you know, obviously a, a controversial figure, kind of a lightning rod. And they took, a, you know, took a stance and they hired him as a brand ambassador and, you think about how that trickled down to the frontline teams, you had people outside of Nike stores, burning Nike clothing and shoes in effigy um, as a result of that. And I think that sometimes the social media pop that you can get out of, out of, out of taking a stance. And I'm not saying Nike was wrong. I'm just saying that sometimes the speed of messaging is so fast that it makes alignment hard. But on the flip side of that, you see where technology is making um, engagements between brands and customers better. Um, I'll use an example of a a bank in the Pacific Northwest called Umpqua Bank, U-M-P-Q-U-A, I believe is how it's spelled. And they have a tool that when you want to connect with um, a customer service person or a banker, you have some questions or something like that, you can open an app. And it's almost like match.com meets uh, chat with your bank. You can flip through and see profiles of all the people that are available to speak to you right then what their expertise is, how long they've been in banking, what, you know, what particular fields that they, um, that, that they have, um, you know, more knowledge of. And you can, it, it could be somebody that you feel like culturally is a better match for you. And you, and you can select them. Um, and then you start a conversation with them. And it can, I believe it can go chat, um, chat to call or chat to video. And they're using technology. There's actually ways that technology can humanize the engagement. And I'm not in the technology business, so I'm not trying to sell technology, but I do believe if you think about humanity and you think about connecting with customers in an empathetic way, there are ways that technology can enable it. So there's social media, and then there's the tools that can actually make it easier. And I think you have to look at those as two separate things.
0: Yeah, I, lo- I love that distinction too. Yeah, I think um, it's 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 important to um, to tease them apart. No, that's, that's great. Um, Great stuff. Well, th- Chris, thanks so much for joining the show. Um, for those listening, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Sure. So a best way really is
1: uh, LinkedIn. Very active on LinkedIn. My team is is always posting content, sharing ideas. So um, best way to find me is Chris Wallace on LinkedIn. Um, now, Chris Wallace is not the most uh, unique name. So uh, Chris Wallace in Philadelphia with interview, and as Greg said, it's I N N E R view. Um, not interview, like interviewing for a job. Um, so interview Chris Wallace, Philadelphia, look for me there. And then our website is interviewgroup.com. A lot of the same content goes out through our website. So feel free to engage us there too.
0: Wonderful. Well, again, I'd like to thank Chris Wallace, co-founder and president of Interview, for joining the show. Thanks for listening to The Agile World with Greg Kilstrom. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile World Podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can learn more and get a copy of my latest book, The Agile Workforce, from my website at theagile.world.